Hi, this is Jimmy. I'm Theocast. Today, John and Justin and myself, we talk about one of the favorite things we love to discuss, specifically the idea of pietism. We talk about this a lot in our regular podcasts, and one of the things it can create is kind of this disorienting feel to the Christian life. And so we've titled this Leaving Pietism, where we discuss all of the different effects that it can have on the Christian life. We hope this conversation is helpful to you, and we have a second part of this podcast, normally in our members portion, that we encourage you to listen to, and that's really where we land the plane of this conversation. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. And we hope and pray that this podcast encourage you to find rest in Christ. Thanks for listening. A simple and easy way for you to help support Theocast each month is by shopping at Amazon. Everything you buy there, they'll take a portion of it and donate it to our ministry. To learn how to sign up, just go to theocast.org slash give. Welcome to Theocast, encouraging weary pilgrims to rest in Christ. Conversations about the Christian life from a Reformed perspective. Your hosts today are John Moffat, pastor of Grace Reformed Church in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Justin Perdue, pastor of Covenant Baptist Church in Asheville, North Carolina. And myself, Jimmy Bueller, pastor of Christ Community Church in Wilmer, Minnesota. Gentlemen, we are in the midst of a blizzard here in Wilmer. But it is good to see your lovely faces. It has been far too long. Yes, it's good to be back on lying. the mic with Jimmy. You ain't <laughs> lying, lying, folks. <laughs> Why is Jimmy crying? Because <laughs> he's, he's been so busy. <laughs> uh, Froggy Fresh. That's, some that's a great right video. There. Why James that's crying. Good, that's Man. right. If you haven't mm. seen that, get on the old YouTubes and, and check that. There's your out. hot take for today. Little there it foggy is. fresh that so will we'll lighten anybody's is. day. There it is. I have Good so many stuff. hot takes. I mean, I, I've just been building them up since I've been absent for so long. But yes, I'll just save them for Twitter. Um, yeah, I'll just put them up oh, on man. there. It's probably not a bad thing. Probably tell people to Twitter. Se- Twitter seems to be the appropriate place where you air all of your grievances and build yep, an audience. That's right. So that is oh, exactly yeah. right. That's exactly. <laughs> public service. I'm pretty sure Twitter cast. Twitter deleted one of my tweets the other day. I'm pretty sure did about they? it. Probably did. Did you? I think so. Did. That, did you, bi- that big tech. Prob- no, no, it was a funny text. It was a funny tweet. All I said was, "YouTube is the father none of us ever had." Because it's like it's where I go to learn things. You know, it's like the oh, things wow. your dad should have taught oh, you. Yeah, I go yeah, to yeah. I go to YouTube you and go to learn YouTube. them. And it like got deleted. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the deal was. So. <laughs> Just I think a, I think your I think your actual father reported the tweet in offense. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Public service announcement from Theocast. Just is just a reminder lovingly that Twitter is not real life. So it's oh, not. Man, yeah. I'm offended I actually, by that. Man. I I don't really I tweet, but I don't read I don't read anybody's tweet unless Jimmy sends it to me. That's true. So I apologize yeah. if you're offended by that. But yeah. Hey, anyways, going in, this so is, uh, we're recording all in 2020, work but those tweets and John doesn't care. I know. Is what he, he don't, he don't, yeah. he don't read them. Yeah. Not really. Um, so anyways, we, uh, we're in 2020, but this is releasing the new year. We know that we Whoa. live like uh, Theocast. The that's right. right. Theocast okay. has a lot going on in 2021. We are trying to do more than we've done before. So stay tuned for that. We've got a lot of uh, great announcements coming on. Uh, we're really excited about today's podcast because um, 
we, uh, with all of our schedules, it seems like it's getting harder and harder being church planners and working jobs. So it's always an encouragement to have Jimmy here uh, back yeah. on the micro. I think we're going to grab quite a few over the next uh, few of these holidays. So that'll That's be right. encouraging to have him back on. Anyways, today is a big moment for our podcast. It's it's a podcast we have been contemplating and talking about. We have skirted around the topic. We've even mentioned it, but today is the day that we record a very important conversation. And the subject is leaving pietism. Dun, I can dun, dun. remember the first time I heard that word, I had no idea what it was. That's right. It sounded puritanical, which was very much connected to that. Mm-hmm. And I remember once it was described for me for the first time, as Jimmy had said before we recorded, I had that, oh, I'm not crazy moment. Yeah, exactly. And so there are many of you yeah. that probably are hearing this podcast for the first time because a friend of yours shared it with you. And so we're going to hopefully, and as graciously as we can, kind of peel back the Christian layers that have been laid upon you that we call pietism. Mm-hmm. So let's start with, guys, the, what is piety and pietism, and then we'll kind of talk about why it is that this is a good subject to be discussing this morning. That's right. Well, I think first we need to make a sharp distinction because whenever we have this conversation with people, there seems to be a misunderstanding of the terms that are being utilized. And so what we like to say here at Theocast is piety is good, right? Holiness is good. No person, no guy on this podcast would go ahead and say that a life of sin, rampant sin is okay. Nobody would say that. So piety is good, but what we are pointing out is pietism is bad and unhelpful. And so what we mean by that is pietism is kind of this hyper-focus on the personal sanctification of the believer, a hyper-focus of what we would call the inward Christian life, where it's obsessive about feelings and the way my, you know, the popular word you could say is my affections. Mm-hmm. And so there is a, a, a hyper intense focus on the personal faithfulness of the Christian. And so after a while, what you can begin to feel in a pietistic realm of the Christian life is, is kind of this, I'm never doing enough. I never feel like I'm living rightly enough, like there's always something more to be done. And we're going to get into that here shortly, but I want to throw it to JP to help kind of flesh out this idea of the difference of piety and pietism and specifically what we mean. Sure. So piety, I think we can define simply as godliness, and in particular, it is the work of the Holy Spirit in and through us, right? So piety, as Jimmy has already said, is is all kinds of good. We're all for it. And we trust the Holy Spirit of God to be producing godliness and genuine piety in us. And he is faithful to do that work. Pietism, as Jimmy has already said, is a hyper-focus on the obedience, the performance, the affections and feelings of the believer. The emphasis seems to be almost exclusively upon the believer's own personal improvement. And in in that sense, I mean, I think it is, is fine to say that it's a focus on the believer's sanctification, but it is always this hyper-individualized reality that becomes the emphasis of everything in the local church. And so what we want to try to do here on this podcast is do a few minutes of 
defining terms and pulling back the curtain, helping people see what this is and maybe what this even looks like in their own personal context. And then we want to do some reconstructing, kind of how can we help lead you and lead many out of pietism into a different place that is focused upon the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work, where there actually is rest and peace and assurance to be found as we together are being sanctified by the Holy Spirit and built up in love unto maturity in the body of Christ. So, John, thoughts? I mean, anything else that you want to do, brother, by way of chalking the field before we maybe talk about what this looks like and how this affects us in the local church? Yeah, I know when we say something like hyper-focus on individual sanctification seems almost like an oxymoron. Right. Uh, we're de-emphasizing the importance of obedience. Um, and that's that is part like. of yeah. it, that is that's part what it of sounds pietism. like we're doing. Yeah. Right. And part of pietism, it has so rebranded the Christian life. It, it has changed the way in which the Bible has put, where, where the Bible has put the emphasis that we assume that all of Christianity is the constant affirmation of our election. Uh, Mm. Pietism is almost a denial of God's sovereignty that he who began a good work in you will complete it, that our faith rests not in our works, but the work of Christ. And all of that would be affirmed in pietism. But um, in, yeah, in pietism, they would say, oh yes, uh, God is sovereign. He elects us. But uh, all of our sermons and books and the way in which we think, the way we process this relationship with God is I must meet these watermarks. And if I don't meet these watermarks, then I should call into question whether I truly am a child of God. And so there's this feeling of onward and upward, this constant mm-hmm. pressure of growth. And uh, what's what's hard is that you aren't quite sure where the watermarks are. It seems That's like right. they're sure. moving, or as Justin has used an illustration in the past, it's like Lucy keeps moving the football. The goalpost keeps moving. Yeah. And so you never truly find rest because the requirements on you. So if you're doing five minutes a day of devotions and prayer, really you should be at 10 minutes. And then really you should be, and then then you should be, and then you should be. Um, and then, you know, you have people who will go into a men's or women's Bible study and confess a struggle with a sin, and they they are looked at, and the question they receive is, well, well how long have you been a Christian? That's right. Shouldn't you be over that by now? And so there, there, is no, there is no place for struggling with sin. There is no place for doubt and fear and anxiety. And when you do have those, you suppress them because— Pietism basically says you should be looking like this. So people, in my experience, you become fake, superficial, and you suppress any real doubts that you have because you do not want to be known as a baby Christian. So that's right. some of the some of the when we say hyper focus, what we're saying is you are more focused on what you are doing for God than what God has done for you. Hyper meaning inappropriate emphasis. It's an inappropriate emphasis on the individual sanctification because you assume that you can actually sanctify yourself and God is there cheering you on. That's right. Yeah. Pietism is essentially a prove yourself kind of outlook. 
It's a prove yeah. yourself kind of theological framework where there are these standards that need to be met. And again, nobody can define those biblically. Nobody can tell you how much is enough. And we've talked about that before, but there needs to be a certain amount of improvement, a certain amount of performance and obedience, a certain kind of trajectory in my affections. And if I am not meeting that standard, then I should be very concerned. And Mm -hmm. if I'm not meeting that standard, to your point, John, my entire union with the Lord Jesus is called into question. And it's Mm -hmm. a fundamentally different understanding and presentation of the Christian life than what we see in the New Testament. Because in the New Testament, the apostles seem to convey you are in Christ Jesus by faith. You have been united to him, and thereby you are legit. Now, live in the Lord Jesus Christ and conduct yourself in these ways as the redeemed saints of God. But instead, pietism flips that on its head and says, well, if you are legitimately in the Lord Jesus, then you will do all of these things, and you need to go prove that you're not a faker through your obedience, through your performance, through your improvement, through your affections and your feelings. And that has all kind of fallout for yeah. the local mm-hmm. church and for the life of the individual Christian. Yeah. The heavy emphasis on fruit. Are exactly. you demonstrating fruit? Sure. Yeah. Well, in a in a pietistic framework, the Christian life becomes one of constant self-discernment. Mm. Sure. That there is this intense focus on motives that it's not just did I do this particular Christian act but did I do it with the right motives? Oh yeah. And that isn't to say that motivations are unimportant, but it is to say that that is an endless well that you can get very much lost and go into a a downward spiral as you focus on all of the things that you should be doing. And not only that you should be doing, but that you should be doing with the right motivations. (laughs) Well, brother, your motivations aren't swimming in grace. You're, You're in trouble. Yeah, that's well, right. like Your quicksand, motivation must you, swim in grace. <laughs> the harder you flail and struggle, you, the further you sink down in it. And it's just how right. it is. I, I mean, I would say in, in, in pietism, the eyes of the heart are always pointed inward. Yeah. That you're constantly looking to yourself. And so just speaking from personal experience, when I lived in a pietistic world, it actually, it actually produced opposite of what it promises. Mm-hmm. Like I would think that spending time in, in personal prayer and, and Bible study would, would produce like a greater holiness and love for the saints. But often what it did was the exact opposite is that it made me really neurotic as I tried mm-hmm. to fulfill kind of self-imposed laws of did I do it enough though? And did I do it with a right amount of reverence? Um, like I would constantly remember like reading my own Bible and saying, am I, am I doing this for the right reasons? Like, or am I just doing this to like gain God's favor and, and man, am I like, honestly, and, and, and we can maybe shift the conversation to here of, you know, the pietistic life, it can ruin a Christian. Mm-hmm. And there's really two ways that it does that. Um, one is that. Pietism can produce some really self-righteous people, but also it can produce some really self-conscious people. And so I want to throw that to you guys and kind of flesh that out of, of what, what does pietism do to the Christian and, and maybe even the, the local church? Yeah. Just very quick an interjection. In, for the sake of clarity, 
when we talk about pietistic contexts, we do not mean that in those contexts, the gospel is not preached. It generally is. And when we talk about pietistic context, it's not as though people in those realms don't believe in the sovereignty of God in salvation and things like that. I mean, oftentimes they do. And so it's, it's this very strange, almost schizophrenic reality where on the one hand, I'm being pointed to Jesus and what he's done for me. And I'm even being told to find peace and comfort in the sovereignty of God over my life and over my salvation. But then on the other side of it, I'm being robbed of any assurance that I could ever have because I'm always being pointed inward and and being caused to question the legitimacy of everything that I do and the sincerity of everything that I do. And to your point, Jimmy, did I feel the right way? Did were my motivations appropriate? Did I do enough? Am I zealous enough? And inevitably, anybody who has any self-awareness when they're trying to measure themselves according to those standards, we're going to fall short. We're going to fail. That's right. We're not going to pass the test. And to your point, yeah. and I'm going to hand it back over to John, to your point, yeah, I think the results of pietism in the local church or in the individual believer's life are one of two things generally. I think for some people, and this would be a smaller subset, I think, it can fan the flames of self-righteousness and pride because for some yeah. folks, they think they're doing pretty well and maybe naively think they're crushing the Christian life. And so for those people, they're just driven further into that self-righteousness and that proud place, and they tend to look down on others and be condescending and all that. But I think for the majority of us, what it ends up doing is it ends up crushing us and producing despair, and we're anxious and depressed all the time because life in a fallen world is hard enough as it is. And then the only thing that could ever give us peace and hope and assurance has been taken from us because... We're being pointed to ourselves and we realize, oh my gosh, like I, I haven't done well enough and maybe I'm not legitimate. And so we really are just floundering. That's right. And That's right. Yeah. And and we're distraught and despondent, frankly. Yeah. 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 Right. And and hopefully you hear that these are three men who who know the pietistic tendencies of their own heart, who have oh, yeah. who have drowned in it themselves. And so one of the things I who going still fight it all Jimmy the time. Was, yeah. yeah, going towards what Jimmy has said, um, all pietists hate legalism. They will say that legalism sure. is bad, mm-hmm. that you sure. cannot and should not earn your salvation before God. Amen. Yeah. Um, and and they will and they would be offended if you called them a legalist. They would say, "Oh, that is that is an inappropriate description of who I am." Mm-hmm. Um, pietism is really sneaky. It's very very sneaky because uh, it's not. Pietism is not the emphasis of earning your salvation. The sneaky part of it is it's maintaining your salvation. That's right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's proving that when you say you are saved by faith alone, that you really mean it. Um, yeah. There is a lot of worry about like lordship salvation and radicalness and even some of the things that come from this, um, this your desires and affections, as Jimmy has said. What it does to you is that you obviously are going to quote Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 from the rooftops, but in your bedroom, you're, you're totally afraid saying, but is that really true of me? Is that really how I feel? And so you live in that constant fear and dread. Um, those who've grown up in a dispensational background, you're worried that Christ is going to come back and you truly aren't one of the elect because you mm-hmm. don't seem to be showing enough. And so you don't live in confidence of Christ you live in doubt of Christ because of you. It, you actually 
Ah, you are denying faith alone because if yeah. God truly saves you, I said this on Sunday, uh, salvation is a person. It's not a process. That's right. Jesus saves you. Yeah. You yeah. don't do something to be saved. If you're new to Theocast, we have a free ebook available for you called Faith Versus Faithfulness, A Primer on Rest. And if you've struggled with legalism, a lack of assurance, or simply want to know, what does it mean to live by faith alone? We wrote this little book to provide a simple answer from a Reformed confessional perspective. You can get your free copy at theocast.org slash primer. And if you've been encouraged by our ministry and would like to help us, you can join one of our support teams. This is a monthly membership where we provide additional content each week. And your support is what allows us to keep spreading the good news of resting in Christ. You can learn more at theocast.org. I think one of the, the favorite <laughs> phrases of pietism is the if-then, the conditional statements that if, right. sure. if you truly were, if you truly are a Christian, then, then you would necessarily do these things. Um, and ultimately, what that points us to is that the, the litmus test of our faithfulness, mm. the litmus test of our Christianity, often becomes the things that we do, mm. that that is where the focus is. Now, yep. I want to be clear, that doesn't mean that there aren't necessary consequences of the Christian life, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. That is not what we are saying. We are not saying that, you know, you can have faith in Christ and then go on and, and, and live however it is that you good and well please. But but what we are saying is that there is a fundamental different posture to the Christian life. Yeah. Yeah. That the litmus test is not the faithfulness of the Christian, which waxes and wanes as the difficulties of a fallen world press in on sure. the believer. But the litmus test of the Christian life, the litmus test of will I be finally saved, is always and forever Christ and Christ alone. Yeah, I know. I mean, that, that has to be it. Otherwise, the minute that we begin to add our own works, our own maintaining faithfulness to the Christian life, we actually begin to taint the purity of what the gospel is. That's right. Yeah. Which is that Christ has saved us by grace alone, through faith alone, on account of his precious work alone. Yeah. That has to be it. So, No, amen, brother. I, I think if I were, just, I just thought about it this way, if I were going to try to reduce it down to piggyback on what you're saying, the litmus test in pietism of, of the Christian life and our legitimacy is what we do, not who we trust, right? That's right. That's and, right. and yeah, it's, it's just soul crushing for so many people. And I think that all the statements that you made, Jimmy, by way of clarification are important. We are all for good works and the pursuit of obedience. And we trust... So, the, let me just briefly interrupt myself even. The, the concern of every holiness movement in the history of the church has always been that if we tell people that redemption and salvation are finished, that Jesus has done it, there's nothing left for you to do except to trust Christ and receive what he has done for you. If we tell people that, then it will produce lawless living and lax Christianity. Yeah. And our yep. response to that is always and forever going to be, no, the preaching and the heralding of the finished work of Jesus in no way produces those things because of the reality of our union with Jesus, 
and the reality of the work of his spirit in us to conform us to his image. The Lord will do it. It's very interesting how people who love to say that salvation is of the Lord from beginning to end will kind of lose their minds somewhere in the middle. You know, God has justified us. God will glorify us. But in the middle, you better get to work. And it Mm -hmm. depends upon you, your effort, your diligence, your sincerity, whatever, to make sure that this thing goes according to plan. And you may very well mess it up, to which we would say, well, if that's true, then we may as well be doing something else because we're wasting our time. Because if we can mess this thing up, we will. That's right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, piety really is rooted in the concern for the lazy or laxical Christian. You mean pietism is. Yeah. Pietism. Pietism. Sorry. Pietism. Correct. Correct. Right. So you will, you will, there are entire movements and ministries and well-known men who have created entire, you know, massive followings because they have convinced people that lazy Christians are not Christians. And they're, they're constantly calling into question the intentions, desires, and uh, works of the individual. And what this is a, a concern I've had. I've been doing this for five years on the air, so I've, I've received a lot of criticism over the years. These guys are experiencing this now, too. Um, what we are offering is not an either-or situation here. You are no. either doing no holiness or you That's are right. doing holiness. This is not an either-or. As a matter of fact, I can't remember how many times it'd be interesting to go back and, and see us quoting Ephesians 4 when it says, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Paul starts with your resting in Christ mm-hmm. for three chapters and then talks about the motivation for your obedience, but it has nothing to do with this individual hypersanctification. It's all outward. If you've yeah. been saved, love your brother. What pietism tells you is if you've been saved, prove it. Do yeah. these things to prove it and increase it. Yeah. And right. what's interesting is that Peter says, uh, Christ is sovereignly chosen us. He saved us. He's He's the one who's moving us forward. Then he says, now add to this, right? Add to this love, kindness, meekness, gentleness. Yeah, the point of it is, is that the adding is building upon the foundation. And, and the word add there is it's kind of a tricky translation. It really should say more of, 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 it's kind of the outflow. Like you must now demonstrate. And at the end of it, he says, if you're not doing this, you have forgotten that you've been cleansed. That's right. That is an appropriate understanding of our good works. Uh, pietism would say, it would change what Peter says. It would say, if you aren't doing these things, you should question if you've been cleansed. Peter says, you forgot you were cleansed. That's pietism right. says you should question your cleansing. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, Ephesians, Second Peter 5, by the way, if you're wanting to know what that is. Yeah, yeah something three, I, I like, three. To, second like Peter to point one. out is that pietism can also be called like the tag you're it theology <laughs> totally, that yeah. that it's like when when Christ died on the cross he really when when he said when he said it is finished what he really meant was tag you're it like i did my part <laughs> now so good now it's your now it's your turn yeah. and jp i like the the word that you used earlier that that maintenance the maintenance yeah. of the christian life is is mm-hmm. really up to us and us alone um sure that it's, you know, Jesus is coming back. And so you better within fear and trembling, like await his return and, and stockpile your, your life of love and, and good works and, and make sure that when he returns, like there is enough. Mm-hmm. But what, what the Bible, and I, I want to use this word, what the Bible mysteriously points us to 
sure. is that Jesus is the founder, but he's also the perfecter of our faith, right? right? The book of Hebrews Hebrews talks about that. Uh, You know, Philippians chapter one, that he who began a good work in you, verse six, will will bring it to completion. And and, and Paul says, I am sure of this. Those who are being sanctified. Yeah. Exactly. And so where we want to be so primarily concerned often is with the quality of my personal holiness, I think the scripture constantly wants to draw us out of ourselves to Amen. see that, that, that Christ has accomplished so much for us in the cross and in his resurrection. And he wants, the scriptures want to point us to that. And the scriptures also want to point us to that the, one of the fu- fundamental postures of the Christian life is, is what we call status forward, mm-hmm. that our status in Christ is forgiven, cleansed, made new, that we have died and risen with Christ, uh, and that now, I mean, it's 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 like the same. It's the same thing that we we talk to about our kids. Like when our kids disobey in the Bueller household, something that we constantly say is Buellers don't do that. It's not that mm. oh, you better, you know, Charlie and Owen and Nora, you better shape up, or else you know you you might prove yourself not to be a Bueller. That's not it at all. Yeah. It's like, no, you are a Bueller. And so therefore we don't hit our sister. You know, in light of that, we don't, we don't lie to mom and dad. It has right. nothing to right. do with our love or affection for them as their parents, right. but, their but rather identity. we point them. Yeah, exactly. We point them to their identity. That's like, no, Buellers Correct. don't do that. And it's, it's the same within the Christian life. So, so even, even with like outside of a, a pietistic framework, like the, what we're pointing to the framework that we're pointing to, it doesn't, it doesn't actually lessen the battle against sin. It just puts you in a completely different mindset. Yeah. However, <laughs> you're going to start to notice that, uh, like I can hear it, I can, and then I can see it. Like, the people listening to this podcast right now, they're, it's like I can see them like, uh-oh, I feel crazy. <laughs> like suddenly, <laughs> suddenly everything is being shifted. So JP, go ahead. Yeah. I think you want to jump in now, here. I want to speak to that you're not crazy thing. So that is in one sense what we're saying to people is if you are sensing this stuff and perceiving this stuff and you're in a context where you do feel like something is off here, we want to tell you you're not alone and you're not crazy. I've okay. I've tweeted this before and it I don't think I got I got some flack for it. Uh many agreed with it. I think that pietism is an evangelical version of gaslighting. Where oh, yeah. in the ch- in the church we're constantly being pointed inward, we're being pointed to ourselves and our own performance and obedience and affections, like we've been saying, and thereby we assess ourselves. We fail to meet the test. We're not doing well enough, and so we're unsettled. We lack assurance. We're despairing and we're despondent. We go to the leaders in our church or to our pastors, and we ask the questions. And we present this struggle that we're having with, I have no peace. I have no assurance. What do you have for me? And I'm concerned about my eternal state and whether or not I'm in grace or, or not. And, and the answer is always like, well, I, we don't know what you're talking about. We're saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. There's nothing wrong here. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you're fine, you know, if you're trusting in Jesus. But then, you know, we turn right around the next Sunday and we're being pointed back in on ourselves again. And so you, it puts the believer in this, in this state. And if anybody's seen that original, you know, that movie back in the day, you know, the gaslight movie, 
it's this situation where we're, we're kind of thinking that we're losing our minds because we're struggling with assurance. Something must be wrong with me. When in reality, there's this very confusing message that's being presented. You know, you, you better be doing enough. But then on the other hand, you ask about it. And it's like, oh no, we believe in salvation by grace through faith in Christ alone. And so, okay. you, and mm-hmm. then you leave thinking, well, I guess the problem lies with me. Exactly. I, that's right. I, clearly Christianity has not worked for me. Right. Or, right. or maybe I'm just not of the elect or whatever it is, whatever you conclude. And yeah, yeah, man, it's tough. Jesus phrase when he says, come unto me, all you are heavy laden. He's talking about, to be frank, he's talking about pietism. He says, he's talking about if you law. are, yeah, he's saying, yeah. those of you have been put under this pressure by the Pharisees. He says, come to me. In the hedge and that I love, around the wall. Yeah. yeah. He says, I will give you rest. This is the, the tagline of our ministry, you know, helping worry pilgrims to find rest in Christ because this is what Christ does. And then he says, my burden is easy. He, he's not yeah, saying take, there's nothing to be done. Take he's, my he yoke there's upon nothing you to be and done. learn from me. That's right. Yoke, for I am gentle right. and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And a yoke, just so you understand, is, is a, it's something that two animals would wear where one would help, it was something you did together. And so uh, Christ comes around and he holds us and we rest within his work. And this, this burden as we wait for his return is, um, is, is not a burden we cannot bear. Hey, I, I just want to, I know a lot of times we get to this point in the conversation and people are, I get this question all the time. Where did this go or where did this come from? Oh, yeah. And I'm going to tell you right now, this is like you, you, you heard your grandparents tell you, hey, there's a box of up in the attic. If you want it, it's yours. You go up in there and you start milliging around and then you see this old box of books and you're like, I wonder what that is. And you pop it open and all of a sudden you see a title that just grabs you and you start reading it. And this book is old. It's like 300, 400 years old. And all of a sudden you're realizing this book is flaying you apart. It's, yeah. it's describing you to a T. This is what's happening to the three men that are talking to you right now, except for that box of books is called a confession. And we started to read how the reformers or AKA Christianity, this is what the Christian life was supposed to be, is supposed to be, and it is grounded in scripture. And it it is always focusing on the finished work of Christ. So this isn't new. We aren't right. describing something like, oh my, you will not believe what we have discovered. That's right. What we have discovered has been written and we're rediscovering it. We're, we're reteaching that which is old. So if you need to find assurance and find safety in that, what we are, what we are pointing out is new and what we're asking you to leave and walk towards, yeah. we're not asking you to leave something. We're actually drawing you towards something. Yeah. You're walking yeah. away from something towards a sure foundation that is far older than anything that's ever been handed to you, which is purely, for another podcast, based on revivalism of the 18th century. So there's that's that. Right. Well, unless unless people want to criticize us, um, which we have, when people say, you focus too much on what the reformers have said. But really, the reformers were going back also to... The original sources, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Ad, ad fontis, Latin, right. back to the source. To the sources. Um, exactly. Where they were focusing on what the earliest church fathers were writing and the scriptures themselves. And so we're not really, it's like, we're, what we're not saying is, is 
you know, what whatever Luther says or Calvin says or Knox says, like these guys were always right. No, I mean, those guys were were doing what we are seeking to do today back then. And exactly. one of the things that kind of a mantra that came out of the 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 Reformation was extra nos, which means outside of us. And something that I like to point our church to and something that I want to point the listener to is that the Christian life is outside of yourself, that the realities of the gospel exist outside of you, that we need the gospel to come to us from outside of us and declare forgiveness and grace over us. And then the Christian life is also outwardly focused, that our status in Christ has been made right, that we are justified by grace alone, through faith alone, on account of Christ alone. And now in total freedom, we can love and serve God and our neighbor. But pietism actually wants to rob you of that because Mm -hmm. it wants to place the, the, the posture of the Christian life, the focus of the Christian life inward, that it's a, it's a battle of emotions and it's a battle of feelings and it's a battle of motivations. And that isn't to say that those things aren't important, but as we said earlier, that is an endless well that will only cause you to downwardly spiral the rest of your days and, and, and produces opposite of what we are saying because it's going to produce a neurotic person. Like, tell me this. What's it like being around an insecure person? Hmm. What, what's it like? Well, frankly, insecure people do a lot of things. But some of the things that insecure people do the most is they become intolerable they become rude and they become bitey because they're insecure and they're trying to make up for something or insecure people are almost insufferable to be around because mm. it's like they, they're always talking about themselves, focusing on themselves. And that's what pietism does to the Christian is it right. just points you inward so much to the point where you are actually in an effort to be fruitful. You become fruitless because you're constantly you become focusing burdensome on it. to others, frankly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, just to go back on real quick to say, uh, to add to what Jimmy had said about inward versus out. Uh, one of the things you realize is that, um, well, I mean, just phrase it this way. The Christian life was never designed to be lived alone. And pietism just isolates everyone. That your your growth, your security is all wrapped up in you. And what you will learn through the confessions, through scripture, just read Ephesians 4 and following that your uh, health, your growth, and your effectiveness have nothing to do with your own personal piety. Your personal piety, which is absolutely important, how you obey, is designed to draw you into the community of Christ, the body of Christ. Paul never says, when you do this, you will grow in Christ. He says, when the body functions properly, it builds itself up in love. And that is the difference between a confessional outlook of Scripture, that it's drawing you towards a, towards a congregational, towards a body, versus pietism, which is drawing you inward and individuals. And so I think it's really important to understand as you're walking away from pietism, you're walking away from this isolation, being by yourself, constant living in fear to this massive choir, to this massive um, uh, of gathering of information from outside of you, where you are constantly being told of what Christ has done for you by others. 
I know I've picked on this before, but I'll pick on it again and I'll throw it to Justin. Uh, that whole phrase, preach the gospel to yourself. Sure. And it's mm. helpful. And I do. And I, and I think on Christ and I, and I love to think about Christ, but that is never as effective as it is when I receive the table and I hear the gospel proclaimed over me because we receive Christ outside of ourselves. That's the design of Jesus in the Holy Spirit and the power of the body. Yeah. Word. Yeah, we're not as good as we would like to think we are at preaching the gospel to ourselves. We need the saints. You know, we need the gifts Christ has given to the church. We need the sacraments. We need those things. Amen. Yeah, I want to reiterate a couple of things that you guys have said and maybe put it in my own own way, and, and maybe this will be helpful to somebody. I, I want to reiterate what Jimmy said about um, just the history of all this stuff. I think the listener needs to understand that not only are we not saying anything new, um, we are, in looking back to the Reformers, you know, we are standing in line with them as they look back through church history to men like Augustine, for example, and Augustine's maybe, you know, infamous miserable Christian, mineral, miserable sinner Christianity, you know, where we are desperate for the grace of God in all things. And, you know, where he says, you know, Lord God, you, you know, command what you will and grant what you command. And we're completely dependent upon you, you know, to work these things in us. That's, that sounds very reformed, right? And then obviously Augustine and the reformers alike are looking back to scripture, but a few big words in my mind, guys, like if I was going to give uh, people some handles, Jimmy talked about extra notes. So one, one handle is objective. The gospel and the work of Christ is objective, meaning it's outside of us. It's unaffected by anything inside of me, how I'm doing, how I'm feeling, how I'm thinking. It's not subjective, it's objective. And then it's also the work of Christ and the gospel are declarative, meaning they're done, they're finished. There's nothing to be added to them. We rest in what Christ has done and we receive it. And then also the Christian life is corporate, to John's point. So we are saved from God's wrath to God's people. And the project of sanctification, the project of salvation is a corporate project. It's a community effort where we cling to one another as we all cling to Christ. And this is God's plan. And so, yeah, objective, declarative, corporate are are good words, I think, at least in my backpack that I think about regularly. And those are different than what is often presented to the Christian in the pew. And I think they're freeing, they're liberating, and they're paradigm shifting. So I think we want to we want to ask a question now that we may try to answer. We do, yeah. Well, I think we're we're going to transition into our our membership, and and John's going to explain a little bit more about what our membership is and what it looks like. But so I remember um, when I was younger, we just got married, and I was inheriting like all of these tools right? <laughs> All of these tools to, to, uh, work on the house and, and things like that. And I remember there's one specific tool. I'm going to leave it unnamed. So I'm not super embarrassed, but I remember there was one tool that I was just using incorrectly, <laughs> like massively incorrectly. You know, I, I thought I was like, I was a guy, I was a man. Like I can, I can do this. Um, I can do this. I can figure this out. And I remember using this tool. And one time this guy was like, you know, you're using that wrong. Right. <laughs> and then he showed me how to use it. And it That's like funny. shifted everything for me. <laughs> sure. Where it was like all of a sudden I wanted to use this tool on everything. It was like <laughs> it was like making eggs using this tool. You know, I mean it was just so exciting. Well and, now and, on the members podcast, you gotta tell everybody what it is. I'm not gonna I mean, do it. You it's, gotta do it. It's safe. Do it. You wouldn't can be prudent. Not gonna, wouldn't be prudent. Wouldn't be prudent at this juncture. 
Have but, you guys but, seen that YouTube video of the guy using the jackhammer but using his own arms? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. my god. Totally. <laughs> totally. And so so anyway, um kind of what we're discussing I think is going to do this for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Sure. That it's going to be like, "Wait a minute. I I I'm realizing that I'm stuck in pietism or I'm stuck in a pietistic mm-hmm. context. Now what? Like what do I do now?" Yeah. I have all these realizations. And so that's what we're going to talk about in our members. And we're, so, JP, you want to say something, and then we'll throw it to John brief. to kind of close yeah. us out. So if somebody were to ask me, Justin, how would you summarize the kind of theology that you guys are articulating here at Theocast? Give it to me in a just really brief synopsis. I would say that what we are aiming to articulate and emphasize is simply the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. It is that he is mighty and able to save to the uttermost all those who draw near to God through him. At the end of the day, that's it. Mm. Amen. Amen to that. Well, we are going to be uh, moving over into our membership. And 2021 has a new uh, new membership for us, and we're kind of changing up how things are done. Uh, what we want to do is um, provide for you additional resources, ways in which that if you love what you're hearing and you want to learn what does it mean to rest in Christ and what are other reform resources and what articles should I be reading, what books should I be reading, and we're offering more classes. We have a class on covenant theology, a class on Calvinism. We have a class on reform spirituality. There's a lot that we're doing. But the biggest push that we want you to hear is that uh, your partnership with us is what allows us to keep this going. Uh, we have been, we've been doing this for a while now. And I, I can't tell you how many emails, how many comments, how many messages that we receive from people f- literally from around the world. We have over 175 different countries who have listened, over a million downloads, and all of that is possible because we have people who basically jump on our teams and become supporters on our support teams. And so we just want to thank you for doing that. A way that we kind of add to that is our membership podcast, and it's where uh, kind of like the gloves come off and we really kind of get down and dirty into the weeds and and express some things that um that you know we probably just don't have time to do in the regular podcast so we encourage you to come over there and join us on our private podcast feed you can download that right onto your phone yeah well guys this has been a fun conversation we've been looking forward to this one for a long time and so we want to thank you the listener for tuning into this episode And we would encourage you, if you are not a member, to get signed up for that. You can find more information at theocast.org. But now we're going to head over into the members portion of the podcast, and we hope to see you there. Maybe I'll I'll talk about the tool. We'll see. We'll see how I feel. You got to do it. You got to do it. Thanks for listening, everybody. 